Hello, and welcome to the Research Ops Podcast, an initiative of the Research Ops community. I'm Holly Cole, one of the chairs of the Research Ops community, and I'll be your host today. I'm assuming if you're listening, then you might know a little bit about Research Ops, the mechanisms and processes that set user research in motion. If you'd like to know more, you can find us at our website, researchops.community, on our medium publications in English, French, German, and Portuguese. You can follow us at, at Team Reops on Twitter, find the group on LinkedIn, and join in the conversation at hashtag ResearchOps. We're recording a special series of the ResearchOps podcasts in preparation for the Reops Conf, a partnership between learners and the ResearchOps community. The conference is in New York City on Wednesday, June 8th. Today, we'll be speaking with Emma Bolton from Meta, who will be speaking at ReopsConf about community, leadership, and her experiences with research. Emma is one of the people who defined research operations as it exists today. Having been an original member of the ReOps board, she wrote the survey that helped define and refine the workshops for the original What is Research Ops project. She then analyzed the results from them, combining them with the survey data to create the eight pillars of research ops. She's done many conference talks since then about different aspects and iterations of those concepts. I'm so thrilled she agreed to come give our keynote. Let me give you a little background on Emma outside of our community. She worked at the BBC doing research and insights for years, driving large projects. From there, she's worked many freelance projects starting a business with her partner that was acquired by Monotype. Recently, she was at Babylon Health and now is a senior research leader at Meta for their commerce division. Basically, Emma's a research tour de force and we were lucky enough to have her on our board for several years. So welcome to the podcast, Emma. Let's start this off with a pretty simple question. Um, if you didn't know, you're actually the 24th person to join the Research Ops Slack community. Oh, wow. Yeah. How did you actually come to, to join us? What was your, your reason, your spark? Oh, wow. Yeah. Gosh, that was four years ago now, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. I, remember, I remember that I'd, I just got made redundant, actually. Um, I'd left my job and I'd been feeling a bit yeah burnt out I guess at the end of that and I'd had a bit of a rough time um yeah so I was feeling you know like lack of support and just really you know ha didn't have a community and didn't have um other research managers or leaders to to sort of talk to about what I'd been going through um, and I saw Kate's tweet and thought ah oh, that sounds interesting that's some of the things that I've been thinking about in my last job and, and joined and I think you were one of the first people I remember speaking to Holly <laughs> and we we I think we just kind of bonded over some of our shared trauma that we'd, <laughs> we'd experienced in various companies so yeah that was remember that very clearly it was very small that group then <laughs> gosh well, how it's grown what uh what were you doing at the time how did you move from being made redundant what was that that next job that you found so yeah I guess I don't talk too much about the fact that I was made redundant but yeah I was and um I decided to go freelance at that point and just um 
get stuck into doing some um, research again or or potentially um, coaching or leadership I didn't really know I was a bit directionless so I just took some time out I did lots of writing got some things off my chest that I had wanted to share for a while and then sort of fell into the community and got involved in some of the research projects that we ran at the time to to understand what research ops was and um, we had lots of good chat about leadership and whether that was the same thing as research ops um, and then I and yeah and then I started to do some freelance projects for for agencies and yeah so that was kind of what I was doing at the time um, and then this was a great partner and um, um, passion project I suppose to get stuck into and, and help me to meet lots of like-minded people and to you know build a build a new community I, I, I guess again. So talk to me about that uh, pretty quickly. One of the things that was really what brought us all together was the What is Research Ops workshops and a lot of that research and um, maybe not a lot of people know this outside of us, but the um, eight pillars of Research Ops is our most read article out there and the the research that that's based on was that original project um do you want to talk to me a little bit about working on that that passion project that we all had yeah I think that was that was summer it's around June I remember uh, May June time um 2018 and we were planning the workshops and we decided we needed some input to the workshops. So they were these global workshops happening across lots of cities across the world. Um, I ran one in Bristol in the UK with some, with some folks and you know, lots of people were gonna run them across lots of different cities, but yeah, we needed some input. So we did a survey and I ran that on SurveyMonkey and got stuck into the um, analysis with you and Bridget and Tomomi and Kate. And we, we came up with this kind of early taxonomy, I guess, of some of the themes that we were seeing coming through from the survey uh, open-ended responses. So we used that then as an input, um, like a first pass, if you will, into the workshop um, and, and used that as a way of kind of starting to talk about some of the early findings. And then obviously we built on that qualitatively. Um, and then at the end of those workshops, Kate and Bridget and various people worked on the, the, the mural um, map and the, um, the other outputs that, that we all know and, and have used. And then after that, I think we kept revisiting. I, I remember we'd have lots of chats in Slack mm -hmm. with, with you and you and Bridget and Tomomi in particular. And we were kind of kept coming back to this taxonomy and it felt like we hadn't quite finished the work and there was more to do there so so again I had you know had a bit of time so I went back and and worked on that and and we kind of kicked it around between us all and came up with this concept of the eight pillars which um I wrote about um, and now obviously as you say it's it's quite a well-read article <laughs> and we've done some talks on it and we've all used it as a basis for for further sort of exploration but yeah that was definitely something that we we collaborated on together I wrote the article yes but it was it was a definitely a shared shared um 
shared project that we all thought about. Um, and it seemed to really resonate with people. Um, I've talked to quite a few people. When I interview people, they say for jobs, they say, oh, gosh, I just want to say that I really found your eight <laughs> pillars really useful. And I've based X, Y and Z on them in my work, which is which is always nice. That happened actually last week to me. So, yeah, it does seem to resonate. It does. It, it does seem to make sense um, and, and people find it a useful sort of way to frame how they think about research and research leadership and research operations in, in different organizations. Um, I, I would say that uh, when I interviewed all of our speakers for this conference, I'm pretty sure they all mentioned it and there's a reasonably good chance that quite a few of them might mention it in they're talking about setting up their research jobs program, not to make you uncomfortable or anything, but a lot of people do use it. It makes sense. It does. Um, so you obviously put something out there that has supported a lot of people as they either stand up or, um, you know, review and update their own research and research operations practices. How really has the community maybe supported you as a research leader over the past four years as it's changed and as you've changed? Yeah, um, it's been, it's been like a rock, I guess. And, and I, and I put that down to in the individuals that I've met in the in the community and and you know you and Bridget and Tomomi as I've mentioned and and then broader than that I, I was able to meet before COVID and um, I was able to meet people in Cardiff near where I live and in Bristol which is another great city where there's a, a great UX community so I would I was able to meet like-minded folks and sort of build these new connections um, at a time when I was really needing to, to, to meet new people and to sort of reinvigorate my, my career. So that was absolutely invaluable for me. Um, and then it also enabled, you know, the world to get smaller. So I, I have had constant dialogue with, with you and with Bridget in particular over in Tasmania and, and many other people um, that I, you know, too many to mention, all, all countries of the world. Um, and, um, and I don't want to kind of mention everyone because I think I'll, I'll forget everyone, but that, you know, the board, when I was on the board of the, the research ops community for a while um, in particular, I think that was, that was such a valuable support for me. Um, it took a lot as well. It took a lot of energy and a lot of time, but yeah, it was such a such a supportive group of people to be part of. Um, and I've learned a lot. I think there's so many amazing threads that you can read in that in that Slack group. If you've got a question, there's always someone who's got an answer, and people are so open to to answering to answering and kind of helping pitch in. So. I think, you know, my needs have definitely changed over those four years as I've moved through freelance and then I've been gone in-house and, and you know, led the res a research team again. And now, now I'm at Meta, which is a huge, obviously a huge organisation with a huge research ops team. 
Um, I think, you know, my needs have changed again, but there's always something I can take away from, from the community and there's always something I can give back as well. Tell me a little bit about um, being on the board. What, what did you enjoy about working on the board and, and doing for the community? I think the, the projects that we all got involved in first of all it was just really fun to to do some workshops and you know someone else cleverer than me had planned planned these workshops and came up with the materials that we needed to run them we were given you know a template and a a crib sheet to work from (laughs) and we could just like a package really and we just had to turn up and and facilitate and that was just really fun meeting people in yeah, in Bristol in real life and and having good conversations about research. I'd really, really missed that because I hadn't had a research community around me at, at the pre, you know, the job that I was in, as I've mentioned previously. So it was just really validating to hear those stories um, and to to be able to get involved in in those and then give that back and share that knowledge and and know that people were really getting something from hearing. Um, these themes and these insights so it was it was like doing good research at a massive scale so it was really fun and then I think the second thing um was yeah just kind of getting involved in some of the communications um and content side of things that was what I did just towards the end of the time that I was on the board um looking at you know how we could curate content from different people and encourage people to to write um, articles for the for the medium and yeah yeah so that was fun too it's sort of related back to something that I'd done many years ago running a publishing business with my husband so yeah so that was fun I enjoyed that now you've mentioned one of those things um before the when you're kind of that lone researcher or um kind of a a lone research manager with a small team, having a a community around you or a community to go to. And I know that that's one of the things that you're going to talk about. Do you want to talk a little bit about that without giving away, you know, all of your (laughs) your secrets, Um, at least when it comes to maybe what motivated you to give back to the community? Yeah, I think, yeah, during um, my last job at uh, a healthcare company, I I didn't have a research ops person there to work with um, and I was getting buy-in for that. But I did have a fantastic team of researchers and amongst them some really fantastic leads lead researchers who had a lot of initiative and a lot of great ideas and so what we were able to do there was to yeah to just really build on the on the power of of that community of of researchers and support each other and scale our impact across across the team um, so yeah, I'll try. I'm trying not to give away too much of, of my talk, but that's sort of a little <laughs> bit about what I'll talk about at the conference. Um, yeah, that was that was such a, a great time. I had 
Um, I learned a huge amount working working at um, at Babylon and with the, with the team of people that I worked with there. I was very privileged to lead that team, um, and it was yeah, it was a, a great great sort of experience for me, um, as well as being very challenging because it was obviously during COVID um, and we were all at home and you know I know a lot of people have probably worked through this themselves and, and this probably will resonate but yeah I think that was quite a unique time to work at a healthcare company. Um, I was going to say we point out that it was Babylon Health and yes exactly yeah <clears throat> I think yeah, everyone exactly. at a healthcare company may have had a unique experience <laughs> in 2020 and and continuing on today for sure. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, I'm sure a lot of people found during those early days, particularly, I know, you know, a lot of design leaders, a lot of research leaders as well, and, you know, just managers, parents, people caring for um, relatives. It, there was just so much pressure on, on a lot of our shoulders. And I think that, you know, that's something that we know to be true of research is we have a lot of pressure on our shoulders, a lot of tasks and a lot of things that um, we, we carry around and have to do every day. And I think, I think that weight was a lot heavier during that time. And, um, and for, for people like me that, that are just all about supporting other people and all about the team, I think, you know, it was, it was a hard hard time because I think I just forgot about myself and I forgot about you know self-care so I'm sure that resonates with a lot of people out there because I think <laughs> as research managers and research leaders we we're probably all very similar similar mm. kinds of people that we you know we really care about supporting our team and and doing doing right by them but we'll we'll often forget ourselves in the process so thinking about um it's, it's obviously something that all leaders have to think about. And is if you're a research operations person, you're thinking about this as well. You know, you're, you're supporting um, the teams. What are some of those challenges uh, maybe that you see for uh, research operations supporting teams when they're embedded in an organization that might also be reflected in research leadership? Yeah, that's a great question. I think Bridget, I remember Bridget has talked about this, or she may even have tweeted at one point about this, but she talks about the like the stiletto heel um, of, of pressure that you you can just transfer from the shoulders of the researchers onto this like lone research operations person that you might have embedded in your team. So so that's not a sustainable model for research mm. operations. So even if you have a research operations person, like that's amazing, but you have to think about what they prioritize and what their focus is to make sure that they don't become a single point of failure for the team um, and, and have everyone's yeah, pressure on, on their shoulders. So I think that's one of the biggest things that... Um, I'm thinking about now I've got a research operations person in my team finally and it's amazing um but we're very quickly loading tasks onto her shoulders so we're, we're thinking about how can she scale her impact across a very big team and and what how best to focus her efforts so yeah that's definitely a lesson um 
a lesson learned and, and something to, to really think about. I, that's, as someone who's a leader as well, I think that's profound because I don't think that um, a lot of people think about the, the pressure put on a leader for a large team because you are a single point of failure for your entire team. And you can be, and it, it, it is something that, that your leadership and the organization's leadership should be thinking of while you're also thinking about it for, you know, a single point of failure as a research operations person. And hopefully we're thinking about this more and more as we move into maybe more healthy work environments. I don't, we can hope, right? We can hope. <laughs> we yeah. can hope. We can hope. Um, Definitely. So we're we're getting ready for the the very first real research shops conference, but yes. it's not the first reops <laughs> sanctioned conference. We actually, you and I, and and Hugo, yeah, planned. We planned a uh, the the first research ops community sanctioned conference day at UX Insights in April of 2020. We were all supposed to meet there. (laughs) Yes, and things things got in the way. Yeah, (laughs) so. I can't tell you how excited I am that you agreed to do our keynote. What are some of the things that you, being someone who was so deeply, you were pretty much the main organizer and content reviewer for the UX Insights Conference. What are some of the things that you're looking forward to and interested in? at this conference? Gosh, I think it's just gonna be a real treat to sit and listen to some really fresh content. Um, And I think that's what I'm most looking forward to because even, you know, curating a conference and working with some of the people that um, came up with the talks for, for the last for that two years ago because we obviously put it on remotely in the end uh, a few months later and mm-hmm. um, that was brilliant to hear those talks come to life but you always have that feeling that you're blinkered and that you mm-hmm. it's your sort of <laughs> lens or steer um, that, and that and and what am I missing and what should I be thinking about so for me, I'm coming with a fresh perspective and like, you know, I'm, I'm all ears to, to hear what, what people who are really close to research ops are thinking about and what they're talking about because things have moved on and, you know, I need to keep up. So <laughs> I, think that, I think that's what I'm, I'm most looking forward to. Yeah, and I don't want to highlight any of the speakers because I think they all sound fantastic. They all have great talks. And I know a couple of them 
submitted ideas for the first conference and I can see that they've been selected for this conference so I think that's the other thing I'm excited to hear from some of the people that just didn't quite make the cut the first time and um, who've come back with another great idea this time so again I'm not going to single anyone out but um, hopefully you know who you are if you're listening um, yeah <laughs> I know there are a couple of people who are very excited to meet you um, and there are a couple of people who are very excited to meet all of us. And at, for my own self, I'm very excited to finally meet you in person. Oh, same. That I forgot to say that. I'm excited to give people hugs um, oh, yes. in real life after four years of knowing you and, and others. Yeah. Expect I, I very that's... long, uncomfortable length <laughs> hug from Slightly me. Slightly weird. Yes. Yeah. Slightly. <laughs> it's going to be awkward. Just. Yes. Yeah. I'm fine. I've had COVID. I'm feeling confident about me, eggs again. Me too. <laughs> me too. We've had it. We're just, we're just going to go in for the awkwardly long hug. Yeah. So. Awkward hugs. Mm-hmm. Are good. Well, on that note. That's that's really what I'm looking for. I'm looking forward to hugging people that I have known deeply, intimately for four years and have never hugged. <laughs> that's that's what I'm looking forward to. So, Emma, until we meet again. Thank you. Thank you. And that's the end of today's podcast. Don't forget, you can find tickets to the Reops Comp 2022 at reopsconf2022.joinlearners.com. It's on Wednesday, June 8th, in person in New York City or online. You can see Bridget, myself, most of the Reops board, all our speakers, and of course, others from the community at the conference. We're really looking forward to seeing you all there. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you want to hear more, please subscribe or join us in the Research Ops community. If there's someone you'd like us to talk to, please let us know at team at researchops.community. We hope you'll join us next time at the Research Ops podcast. I'm Holly Cole, and I'll see you on the Slack.